Welcome to the Sunday Times Politics Weekly, where we talk about the week's big political stories. I'm Mike Siluma, and thanks for joining us. Recently, a new organization purportedly standing for the rights of so-called colored people, or as it called them, the brown people, uh, was announced. It was met with skepticism from many cultures. This week, the Politics Weekly looks at the question of group identity, specifically the so-called colored identity, as part of our national conversation. With immediate effect. When people saw us, and I quote, in two years' time, Eskim's problems will be a thing of the past. People won't even remember loadship. Unquote. They put saliva on the paper. I'm in charge. That's why these fools are running around here. I'm in charge. And then they share that zone. Point of order, Chaperson. Order, Chaperson. Point of order, ruling party by point of order. Must step aside within 30 days. No, I'm not going to apologize. He has no brains whatsoever. The AFP president was sabotaged again yesterday. Well, sabotage, that can be This is not a shit. Let's welcome our guest for that conversation, a journalist and academic, Ismail Lagadin. Uh, he is the author, of course, of the book, Too White to be Colored, Too Colored to be Black. I gather that it is going to be launched in Cape Town shortly, uh, one of these days. He'll tell us more about that. Also joining us uh, is Carl Tlute, who's a longtime social and labor activist and former Deputy General Secretary of uh, the National Union of Metal Workers. Welcome to the show to the both of you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Carl, let's start off with you. You recently wrote a an, an article opposing the formation or rejecting uh, the formation of the CAPSE Forum which was described as uh, an organization for brain mense. Uh, why did you come across as opposed to the initiative? I think that the endeavor to create a development for uh, colored people is a false start to what I thought we are all about, which is uh, to strive uh, and work very hard for a non-racial, non-sexist, uh, democratic uh, uh, South Africa uh, in a unitary state. Now, when I saw that uh, there is this uh, front page picture on the report on a Sunday with Kali uh, Creel and uh, uh, the gentleman Weinhardt, uh, launching CARPS Forum, I could not but wonder whether we're going back uh, to separate development and the segregation that we saw under apartheid. And it made me uh, to critique um, this development. Mm. Your view is that it is not necessary to have that kind of organization? No, Mike. I think that we ought to have a discussion and uh, a conversation in South Africa, uh, not just about uh, racism, but about anti-racism. I, I think that uh, we're dealing with uh, uh, the unresolved national question. I think that the kind of rainbowism that uh, were advanced by President Mandela and uh, Bishop Tutu is something which uh, is a bit plastic and cosmetic in my own view, because it does not take into account 
the history where we come from. Um, and so I think that the conversation is required, but you can't start on a false premise uh, to suggest that uh, uh, brown people, uh, Indian people in a corner, white people in a corner, I do not subscribe to that. Okay, we will be coming back to the question of nation building uh, later on in our in our conversation. But I'd like to bring in Ismail here, Easy Ismail Lagadin, to start off. You know, on on your side, uh, you wrote the book Too White to Be Colored, Too Colored to Be Black." Uh, what what prompted you to write the book? Well, Mike, it was a, a series of, of of events throughout my um, throughout my life when I was uh, growing up in El Dorado Park. Um, I got uh, beaten up a lot, well, beaten up often by my schoolmates whenever I got good grades or I recited a poem. Actually, it was one one of the examples. And people would say, the teacher only likes you because you have green eyes. Um, then I was violently beaten up. I was violently abused. Um, and every time I had a... I spent my, uh, in my teens, I be- began to associate myself with the black consciousness movement. So I spent a lot of time in, in Pimville and Morocco and Deep Deep Kloof, even as a child, uh, even as an early teen. And so people would, I would get this thing as, yeah, you just want to, you associate with, with the, the blacks, actually they use the K word, because you, you want to be black. Uh, and then I, I think later in life, I had a white girlfriend and people said, oh, you only got a white girlfriend because you want to be white. So, that that sums it up, but it's very intricate, uh, intricately woven into the book. And then, uh, you know, I, I go for a walkabout uh, and, and I come back in 2011 and I, I get told in so many times and I actually have received death threats from um, one of our revolutionary parties who said I should go back to Asia and others said, another one said he's going to kill me and my family. Uh, because we took the land, and then he sent me a note apologizing, and the, the apology was, I'm sorry, I thought you were white. So there's constantly this thing about you you never feel at home anywhere because you're constantly uh, told you don't belong. Now, deep down inside, I hold on very steadfastly to my 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 humanism and the early values that I acquired in the Black Consciousness Movement, um, and, you know, although that's waned a lot because I, you know, as a journalist, I've had to distance myself a lot from that. Um, but I've also hold on to sort of a social democracy and, and the fight for, for social justice. I, I, enough about me. I mean, the question before us, um, I, I'm afraid I can only come in at a very, um, almost abstract and probably pretentious, um, uh, way and say that, you know, one of the dangers, and this is a, one of those things that has to be said with great caution, and you urge uh, people who listen to please listen carefully and understand what it is that I'm saying. Um, one of the things, one of apartheid's successes, it has kept us away from one another. It has, it has, it has kept us apart. Now, when I was a, uh, when I was two or three years old, I began to speak as Tlasa. And then we moved back to Johannesburg, and then I lost some of it. And then later in life, I started speaking to Zulu. And, and then, you know, and in Soweto, uh, El Dorado Park, Sowetan, 
you know, you start as centrist in Sri Lanka and you ended up in, in Afrikaans, and so it's all mixed up. But so apartheid was very successful in keeping us away from each other. But what has happened is, and this is the part that's controversial, is we've all now reached back to all those, to the ethnic pride and the ethnic identities that were denied us or that were so constrained and so artificially separated by grand apartheid. So I, uh, in, in completely, it flummoxed me. In, and uh, when I came back again, uh, remember I was away for about 15 years and we had Heritage Day the first year I was back and I, and I had, you know, I'd missed the entire period from the TRC to 2011. I'd missed all of that. And one of the things that I, I, I jokingly told myself, my Jewish friend is going to be with her Jewish family. My Tlasa friend is going with her Tlasa family. And Mina, I'm just a colored, where am I going? And I laughed and, you know, whatever. It was a joke. But then I, the more I thought about it, the more I realized that we are retreating into our ethnic identities and our racial identities. And I don't think that's a good thing because, you know, I've looked at uh, the collapse of, of various states and the failure of states and conflict around the world. And it always starts by with identity politics. So you, so you identify people as Jews first, then you persecute them. You identify people as, I mean, that's why I wrote a piece last week on, on Julius Malema's uh, reference to President Ramaphosa's nose. And, and that struck a, a very important chord because the Nazis actually used calipers to measure people's noses. Mm and prepare them for persecution. And that tapped into what was called scientific racism to prove the superiority of, okay. the, of the white races. So these are all the things that are coming into my mind. And and finally, let me just say that uh, I was at Nelson Mandela University for just under two years, and there was a discussion that we should teach in the mother tongue, and which I think is a, is a great thing. Then I, I raised the question, I said, you know, but what if KZN said we'll, they'll teach only in Zulu, which is fine. You know, and then another university said we'll teach only in Sepedi. And then what we're eventually creating is these pockets of ethnicities uh, which exclude others. And this makes for what we've called in African political economy as ethno-linguistic fractionalization, where these ethnic languages conflict with one another. And Chinua Achebe writes very eloquently about it. And that is my, that's the way I approach this. Mm. And I agree, I agree then that, you know, this is an unnecessary, uncalled for and completely misplaced search for an identity which is very manipulable, which is in, insecure, ontologically unstable, because really, what is a colored? And yeah, anyway, that, okay, so that's my approach to the whole thing. Okay, you, you know what is before we proceed, actually, let's just do a bit of a plug for, 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 for your book. It's going to be launched when on the 20th of April, uh, at exclusive books in Cape Town. In Cape Town. With that out of the way, Carl, can, can I come back to you? Hey, growing up in apartheid South Africa, you could easily have bought into a, in inverted commas, a colored identity that is completely separate from everybody mm -hmm. else's, you know. But you end up in UDF politics, you end up in non-racial politics, and you end up uh, in the labor movement, which is not organized along racial lines, you know. How did that happen? 
Well, I, I want to believe that it started in the place where I was born. I was born on a farm about 365 kilometers from Cape Town in the Western Cape, a farm called in Afrikaans Steel Wuchte. Um, and on the farm, if we were to use the uh, racial categories of apartheid, um, we had lived farm workers uh, from the colored community, lived farm workers from the Eastern Cape, is it Kosa, or Kosa uh, speaking workers, and uh, um, one or two Zulu families. And the amazing thing, um, what we had in common was our poverty, what we had in common, all of us were the fact that our parents were paid as their weekly remuneration uh, in wine that was called the uh, tot system. What we had in common was that we could borrow uh, sugar from one another. And so I must say I have no sense um, at all of the differences until we moved from the farm, got evicted, uh, and went to go and live in an informal settlement. And uh, for the first time, having to experience when you go to the butchery that you've got to enter um, not in one door which is reserved for whites, you've got to enter um, at the other door. And, and that began to uh, bother uh, one's consciousness as to why this would be the case. Um, and then, of course, uh, you're right that I became involved in the United Democratic Front and completely embraced the uh, struggle for a non-racial uh, South Africa. And, of course, in the union, when you join the union, uh, what is clear about the apartheid past, if I could uh, just say this, is that um, to a larger degree, I can understand why colored people would want to feel threatened. And I'll tell you why I think that is so. Uh, under apartheid, we used to have many different laws, as you know, uh, laws such as the the colored um, uh, preservation. The Manpower Act, for example, made it possible that uh, only whites could be trained as artisans. And later, that right was extended to colored. And later, that right was extended to Africans, um, Indians, and so on. Um, uh, Coloreds would then be squeezed in a sandwich like a bologna, um, in a sense that they got slightly better treatment uh, than uh, African citizens would get. And, and as a result, when 1994 appears, um, there's a feeling that um, the prioritization of the 
um, resolution of poverty, of housing, of health um, is skewed. That's the feeling I suspect uh, many amongst the colored community felt. But here's where the problem for me is, Mike. The problem is that, and I mentioned that I think we've got a, an unresolved national question. The problem is that the ANC government in 1994, in fact, proceeded to use apartheid categorization. It did very little to um, advance uh, policies that would be non-racial in character, but also what the ANC government had done was that they would uh, not um, uh, collapse the uh, apartheid spatial development. And so uh, you see a continuation of what had been before. And in my view, what Kaps Forum uh, seek to do is not to break out of the barricade of racism. It wants to develop um, uh, so-called colored people within a framework that says that you are probably closer to white people and therefore your association and your transformation must be associated uh, closely aligned with uh, something called Afriform. And yet, the, the thing that, that, that I wanted to raise with with uh, with, with you and and Izzy is, is is this, particularly in in reference to uh, affirmative action, uh, black empowerment, you know, all, all those initiatives. Um, I've often heard, you know, uh, some colored people saying that, okay, you know, under apartheid, we're too black to be white. Now we're too white to be black to benefit from, from, you know, from corrective action, you know, uh, in the post 1994 period. Is there a, a case to be made, you know, that it is important to pay attention? you know, to uh, the feelings and, and perspectives of colored people? Or can we be able to just say it's all black people? You know, there's no need to to distinguish. Uh, can, can, can I start with you, Izzy? Yeah. Is, is there a genuine grievance, you know, that, that that's basically my question, that, that needs to be addressed? I think there's a genuine grievance, um, but I think the way to address it would be at the, at the national level. I think the way to agree, uh, to address it would be within within the framework of the constitution. The biggest problem I have with the Veinhard, I think his name is Veinhard, and after forum, it is a drift to the right of the political spectrum, which is a very toxic area, and you know, and it makes it makes us uh, as South Africans, it, it it's it's just sees a further division. Rather than a coming together, it, it sees a, a coming apart. Now, as a political economist, I I'm uh, pessimistic about South Africa in very many ways. Uh, but I want to say this: you know, the 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 Holocaust survivor Elie Wiesel once said, um, "We might not have justice, uh, but that does not mean we must stop fighting for it." But the Afri Forum route is not the way to go about it because they seek further divisions. And that's what I would, would say. 
Carl, do, do, do you get a sense that perhaps the non-racial project is on the retreat right now? I think that uh, it, it suffers uh, with a lack of oxygen to exist. Um, here's an interesting thing, Mike, that I continue to think about more and more. You know, the United Democratic Front was probably one of the most significant moments in our history to have um, developed a non-racial uh, politics which found expression in non-racial action and struggle for a democratic South Africa. And guess what? In the policy perspective of the United Democratic Front, in which colored communities embrace the values, aims, and objectives of the United Democratic Front, there was not a single reference to Blacks in general, Africans in particular. And I challenge any person to go and look up and find this characterization uh, in the politics of the UDF. Whereas, for historical reasons, as I've explained earlier, the ANC, who claims to be a non-racial organization, continues uh, to advance the idea of blacks in general, Africans in particular. And so there's no difference uh, as to what apartheid would have done in the categorization uh, of... of and, and, and this, unfortunately, then, finds expression in social life, in economic life, um, in all spheres of society, you go to affirmative action, blacks in general, Africans in particular, finds expression. Let us look at the correctional services case in the Western Cape, where so-called uh, colored correctional service officers felt offended that they were overlooked for senior positions because the application, uh, and I understand what EC is saying about national policy being important, but you have a reality that in the Western Cape, the majority of its inhabitants would be uh, colored people. Now, if you, if you apply affirmative action um, uh, on the basis that you think um, it, 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 it resolves the national question. Well, unfortunately, it does not. I'm not suggesting that what should be applicable is a provincial and a decentralized uh, um, uh, policy application. What I'm arguing is that your policy position of an ANC government talking about black in general, African in particular, is a, a misplaced uh, position in a democratic South Africa. And if I could uh, just add the last bit, I, I believe that as many others do, the question of race 
class and gender must be considered as an interconnected question, meaning that you can't resolve the national or the race question without resolving the class and the gender question. Um, it, is in, it is intertwined, and unfortunately, you do not have the makings of a policy perspective uh, in that respect by the ANC government in South Africa today. Yes, the, the last word is going to go to you. Uh, Carl has already given, like, uh, in in very broad brushstrokes, uh, what he thinks, uh, you know, can be done among other things, you know, to address the the issue. Uh, from where you're sitting, what 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 are the, a couple of things that you think we we can do to begin to address this issue of the of 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 racial separation and and racial identity along the lines that we've been talking about unfortunately i don't think that we it's something we can stop in the in the short to medium term i think in the short to medium term there will be an increase in in um the the rhetoric and um uh and the 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 populism the wrong type of populism we must be careful there you know there's a populism against fascism and then there's a populism that promotes fascism but in my view uh, I have seen, and I've seen up closely, uh, how let, let's call them, you know, the, for the, the radical, uh, the RET brigade and the EFF, and I would throw in there my own, you know, Azapo and the PAC. I sincerely believe that beyond Saro Ramaphosa, I think we are in for an increased era of uh, racial division. Uh, racial potentially racial conflict and an increase in i hope i'm wrong in in violence i don't think that we can do that in 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 the um so in the short to medium term i don't think there's anything we can do but reach out to our friends and family and the people around us i don't share the optimism of non-racialism i think non-racialism as a concept uh, was useful for the anc in uh, in exile I think it was useful uh, for the UDF, but I think these were no more than sort of rhetorical devices to mobilize people, in the UDF that is. And for the ANC, I think uh, it was a public relations exercise to, 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 uh, to, to pacify, as it were, uh, white people and to get more white people to accept them. I think beyond that, um, I think race, uh, non-racialism is actually on its deathbed. Okay, uh, gentlemen, it seems like we've run out of time for our conversation this time round. I hope that uh, you know you you will make yourself available again uh, to explore even more deeply uh, this very central uh, uh, question of of nation building um, that 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 our country is. Uh, grappling with, has been grappling with uh, from 1994 and even before that. I'd like to thank you both for your time. Uh, Carl Kluche, long-time social and labor activist and former Deputy General Secretary of the National Union of Metal Workers, as well of course as uh, Ismail Lagadin, uh, who is a journalist and academic and uh, of course the author of the book Too White to be Colored, Too Colored to be black. Until next week, uh, I'm Maxi Luma and remember to stay safe, wear the mask 
as appropriate and be extra careful in crowded places, especially indoors. <laughs>